Welcome everyone to a new season. This is season six, episode one of a lawyer and a policy analyst walk into a bar. We're calling this one Ruption in the Federation, Team Disunity, and Tinkit's Nevis's Snap Election. Yeah, it's all about that topic today. We have two great guests with us, Jabari Trotman and Rahim Augustine Joseph. They're gonna assist us today. And um, you guys are gonna notice something new. We have visuals, like we said, like we promised, and everyone is there. So you're gonna see how we all look and you're gonna see our full-fledged reactions. And yeah, we're just gonna have a good time. So uh, we'll let our guests introduce themselves in a bit. But of course, I'm the lawyer, Jadwick Cummings. And I'm Delano D'Souza, the policy analyst. We are back for season six. As usual, we see we coming back in May and we coming on the final day of May. You know what I mean? Good things come to those who wait. <laughs> right, fellas? Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And, yeah, man. And that's the spirit we're taking today. Uh, it's been a while. Um, as you know, we finished season five in December. We said, you know what? Let me take a break, refresh, come with something new. And we're here today, we're going to be discussing, like Jadrick said, eruption in the Federation, big things going on in the Federation. And, um, you know, talking about team disunity <laughs> and the sink it even snap election. Nobody in Vex would have tightened. I'm going to But that's not cool. So, as usual, we're going to let our yeah. guests introduce themselves and we're going to go right into the pod. So, Jabari, you know, tell the audience about yourself before we jump in. Uh, I'm Jabari Trotman. I'm a business strategist and a political observer. I'm from St. Kitts and Nevis, sweet sugar city, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks, Jabari. Ryan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good to have you. Yeah, good night, everybody. Um, Ryan Augustine Joseph, student of politics and law at the UEKville campus, and I'm happy to be back on the pod. It's my second oh, yeah, time after. Welcome actually. back. Um, I think I'm at, very, I'm at a very, very close to Peter Wickham's record of the three or four If there is more political turmoil across the region, I know that I will use my... Yeah, man, you're on the list. <laughs> you're you're yeah. on the A-list. Yeah, yeah. Only a few people have been on the episode, yeah. so yeah, yeah, you're in good company. <laughs> definitely. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, guys, you know, we're jumping right into it. We want to be brief for our first episode. We want to make sure that those watching us on YouTube and our brand new YouTube channel, make sure if you're watching it, you've already subscribed, that, you, you know, you're able to, it's, it's, it's palatable for you. So as a bit of a background, as, as you know, um, what's happening in St. Case, let's just update you if you don't know. So what started off as cracks have now grown into big chasms and the apparent end of the government, the governing Team Unity Coalition in St. Kitts and Nevis. As the political leaders have moved to oust Timothy Harris as Prime Minister, big things going on in St. Kitts. So the move came after weeks of public strife, which led Sean Richards, who is the former, now former, um, Deputy Prime Minister and leader of the People's Action Movement, PAM, as it's affectionately known. <laughs> Every time I hear PAM, I think about the spray thing, where we go hold her down. <laughs> and, and Nevis yeah, Premier, yeah man, and Nevis Premier, uh, who obviously is the, um, the leader of the Concerned Citizen Movement, Mark Brantley, they would have publicly expressed their dissatisfaction with PM Harris's leadership. I mean, the coalition government, as we know, is uh, it comprises of Harris's uh, People's Labour Party, the PLP, which is, I guess, the most recent of the three parties in the coalition. Uh, Richards's um, People's Action Movement, PAM, and Brantley's Concerned Citizens Movement, and that has now fallen apart 
as the country now waits with bated breath for the for the election date for the snap election to be announced by prime minister people say he walking around with it in his back pocket and he ain't telling nobody <laughs> and it's real back and all now real eruption in sync it's now so what we know is that all six members who are involved in the no confidence motion against the prime minister which of course include former well now deputy prime minister um sean richards and nevis premier mark brantley as well as the other four they've been dismissed <laughs> by 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 um with much fanfare <laughs> but i, mm-hmm. I don't remember i see this thing man come on and say you know oh, you need to go uh, so he would they would have been dismissed <laughs> by by the prime minister and so that is where we are jadrick and I, I don't know if you if you if, if you want to talk a bit about um pm um timothy harris because if you think about it many persons don't realize the history of pm harris plenty of people realize he was a labor man before no? i mean the, the people who are new to this politics right. thing in the region jerry that mm. being the same history. um yeah 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 exactly um so you see according to the carving elections uh dot com you know, harris participated in elected politics in 93 and since then he won a seat in on the same kids and he was liberal party tickets like delano was saying and uh, in each parliamentary election held in 95 2000 2004 2010 um he has uh, been there you know so during his tenure with the uh, sknlp you know, harris he served in several cabinet posts minister of agriculture uh, land and housing minister of education labor and social security minister of foreign affairs and education and the minister of foreign affairs international trade and industry and commerce you know quite a, a wide portfolio in a lot of these di- uh, different instances so um you know after being inspired as minister of government by prime minister denzel douglas in 2013 you know he formed a new political party the plp the people's labor party with former cabinet colleague sam condor from pronouncing that right and um you know, the PLP later joined Team Unity, the alliance with the People's Action Movement, FAM, like Delano said, and Nevis-based Concerned Citizens Movement, the CCM. You know, so, um, I think that's why we're here. That's, you know, now we're at this point. I mean, I think there's a few things to note, the Jarek. The man being about long time, Jabari and, and Rahim. Long time, the man being about. Yeah, the man yeah. has served for a yeah, long yeah, time. Well many different portfolios and so i think mm-hmm. that's why it, it, it when 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 the team unity was formed i think naturally persons felt that he would be prime minister based on that portfolio and I, yeah yeah you would have based expected that yeah but i mean i think for me here the, 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 we kind of catch my eyes the fact that he was fired by by doggy <laughs> and yeah. you know you know Doggy's a man as, <laughs> yep. who's been there for some decades as well so when he and doggy yeah. followed he went and he formed the people's yeah. labor party uh, and then they would have obviously uh, merged and, and formed Team Unity. So now that we kind of have some of that background, I wanted the viewers to kind of understand that because people felt like, um, you know, that that PM Harris was a, a new kid on the block because he would be talking to people across the region. They said, but he no come. I said, he no come. <laughs> he man no. been there so long. He and Dougie, he and Dougie <laughs> was some of the original labor man, <laughs> right? Um, so... Mm-hmm. So that's where we are today. So Jabari, since you are the lone petition on the party today, can you kind of walk us through uh, the timeline of what led to this? I think that's important for us to know the chronology in terms of what happened to lead us to this point. Right, sure, I'll do that. And just to add to something that Jadrick said, he also held the Minister of Finance, which I'd like to point that out. Um, Harris did All at right. some point, which is okay. one of the most famous things that you know he is known for and uh, everyone's saying it's a nevis a man always know to balance the books so to speak and 
Also, but he has PhD in accounting, and so if he can't yeah. balance the book, <laughs> he, and he was he been around a long time. Like Delano mentioned, since 1993, he's actually the youngest uh, parliamentarian in Saint Kitts and Nevis history. So he mm-hmm. won his seat in '93 at the you know, tender age of 28. So mm-hmm. he's really a political behemoth. Yeah, I remember that being something yeah, like with, with a wealth of experience. But as it uh, pertains to the timeline, we mentioned that you know. Team Unity construct was formed in 2013, so that was an important time. It was also around that time that the People's Labour Party was formed, and then there were 20 elections in 2015 where Team Unity government was successful um, in Austin, the Labour Party, the St. Nevis Labour Party, that was in government for about 20 years, right? So after that, there was recently elections um in 2020 but before that let me speak about sort of like the whole value proposition of team unity so team unity was established um basically to prosecute what they like to call the good governance agenda which was something that included transparency in public office uh, freedom of information and some of the other things that they were supposed to do were to enact term limits for the prime minister that was one of the major things that they ran on and also yeah, give Nevis. It's yeah, that didn't happen. They actually proposed it uh, in 2018, but so as the constitution is concerned, to make an amendment of that nature, I think they have to have a super majority, a two thirds majority, to mm-hmm. do so. Didn't have the votes in 2018. They didn't, uh, and when they did, at a later point in time, have the votes, they never put it back to parliament. One may uh, question why that was so, but. Uh, we leave that up to the viewers and the independent thinkers to decide. So, after 2015, they secured seven of the 11 seats that they needed um, to form government. So, in St. Kitts and Nevis, there's 11 seats. So, they really only needed six. They got an extra one. And then, in the last elections in 2020, their tally grew to nine of 11. So, it was a landslide victory for Team Unity. Team, um, PM Harris was also the leader at that point. And it was... Uh, an election that was very unique in that it um, was around the time of COVID-19, 2020, which was, you know, striking the world at a particular time. And it was very different because we were on lockdown. There was curfews. Um, there was no traditional canvassing or not much. Yeah, man, we, we covered that in the pod, if you guys remember, Jared, we covered that in the pod and we spoke about the pandemic elections. Yeah, no plane, no plane coming in. You know, nothing so, so. It was, yeah, a, it was yeah. a very different kettle of fish. As we very say. different kettle of fish. And one which was yeah. like murky waters that were successfully navigated by Team Unity, I guess you could say. Uh, so after that landslide victory, things got a little testy. So in about March of 2021, there was a that's guest when speaker. That's when the That is when yeah, the eruption well, started. That's, the that's, why I, that's what I would think the eruption started. So there was a guest speaker from Trinidad, Dr. Sharon Ann Gopal McNichol. And she was giving a speech at the PLP conference in March of 2021. And she posited to the crowd at the time that PM Harris should be rewarded with a third term. Um, which, you know, it, one good term deserves another. Right. So she posited that PM Harris deserves a third term. She later said that he, she posited it to him as well. But um, he said that he would honor his commitments. But more on that later. And in November of 2021, the Labour Party changed its leadership. Um, mm-hmm. So he stepped down after what, 32 years, was it? 
ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุกคนที่ทุก
uh, last year where he was supposed to be getting 25%. And just to put a numerical, you know, figure on that, I think it was in the region of between five to $600 million was the total CBA inflows, inflows sorry, for 2021. And yeah. they would have wanted about 150 of that. And I think they got like 40 something. If the if my figures uh, serve, if my memory serves, I think I heard a little bit more. I think I heard it kind of, I, I think I heard PMZ was paying us a sixty something million. I mean, long story short, that was twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And but I still didn't feel that they just desserts. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, we know citizenship investment is controversial in and of itself. Yeah. And then we know that Saint Kitts has arguably had the most successful citizenship investment. Yeah. And historically, most persons say it's the oldest mm-hmm. in the Caribbean and so on. And even yeah, I think so. so yep. We expect that that would be an issue mm-hmm. um, in terms of how they treat with it. When you think about the dynamics of the Federation, of course, even within this discussion, we cannot forget that Saint Kitts is a Federation, which is yes. a unique which is a unique um government um governance construct that we don't think about often when we say think it's a nevis we pretend like it's like antigua and barbudana but it's not and i think that's something exactly. we need to remind our, our listeners and viewers about as well correct and there's the nevis island administration the nia which is own separate form of government which yeah. is why uh premier matt brantley brandishes the name premier <laughs> in another itself, <laughs> and he also runs it as a part of the federal cabinet so all three of his colleagues or two of his other colleagues he's there again to salary no three of them do um and no but it's, it's not a secret and uh they would tell you even during the campaign one of the honorable ministers eric evelyn even pointed out that you know they they are wanting to get two salaries and they deservedly so because it's two jobs and they're mm-hmm. you know intelligent and they deserve to yeah. do that and oh, yeah, get yeah, two yeah. you know so that's something they that was openly intimate i'm not i'm not watching them oh i'm not not at all but i'm just saying it's not a secret and they make no bones about it so who am i that's for the people and even to decide um so after the pam convention which was caused for a lot of underground you know uh, discussion. There was a PLP convention two weeks later, and Harris, of course, responded to allegations, saying he never publicly said he was seeking a third term, and intimated that uh, Pam was weak in certain constituencies, and they drew on his leadership skills and strategy skills in big order boy, to bring boy, home the victory. Big man, big man things. Let <laughs> uh, the round man come out and say you can't. You're weak. <laughs> yeah, he literally said where where they were weak, I made them strong. That's a direct quote, you know. So he said that two weeks later. Um, while this was going on, uh, a little bit after that, the think his new Labour Party reveals all their candidates for the upcoming elections because I guess they sense that mm, uh, election was imminent, right? Mm. And they were correct. So mm. Rantney and Richards indicate uh, publicly in early April that they uh, would have held attempts to talk to PM Harris to arbitrate the situation, you know, because there, there was a list of demands. They wanted some things such as decentralization of the role, uh, office of the prime minister. They were saying that the uh, prime minister held the office of the minister of finance. Um, he held the CBI program under the office of the prime minister and other well, key I mean, but, but, you know, levers. 
Differently, um, Jabari, and, and yeah. I guess Rahim, you can chime in here. This, uh, in my mind, it's been something that we've been yeah. seeing across the region where the, the portfolio prime minister has been increasing. If we look at St. Vincent, uh, how much thing they are under the office of the prime minister? We look at Barbados now, where even culture and other things they are under the office of the prime minister. This is right. something that we've seen, and despite the size of the cabinet of Barbados, you know, a lot of key portfolios are still under uh, you know, the office of the prime minister. And I think this is something we're seeing emerging regionally, even in Jamaica. Whenever the a minister misbehaves or somebody is asked to resign, you know the prime minister almost subsumes that 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 particular portfolio. Right. True. And yeah, it, it's interesting actually. It's interesting actually because, of course, as you rightfully mentioned, across the region they're increasing the portfolios. And as much as it is that some of the things that I mentioned about Prime Minister Harris, um, if it is that these things are true, that's really the antithesis of good governance. But I think somewhere in between the the, the, the formula, they really want to to reduce the the constitutional authority of the post. And you can't. I don't know that you can do that, um, especially considering if it is that you've chosen somebody, especially within the context of Westminster, um, to be the one above all. As much as it is that he's an equal member of the cabinet, he's the prime minister, and therefore I think members of the party are not allowing him, or rather not asking him, or not allowing him to be able to utilize the role of prime minister in a manner in which the constitution empowers him to do but of course we're obviously able to discuss the inordinate powers um because to be able to exercise the powers he must have them um and i think in many instances he he does and i therefore think and as i've mentioned before the the, the future of this will really determine as to whether the political party whichever one wins the election whether they choose political expediency and do not undergo massive constitutional reform or whether they stick to what the people require and that is reducing the power of the prime minister my bet is as good as yours i think political expediency is going to be chosen and they're going to keep it rolling in in, in, in the i would agree with that mm-hmm. and and i would say harris also agreed because he responded and said that he would not on his watch would he um reduce the office of the prime minister right <laughs> by handing over all these key ministries that one would surmise are the key levers of governance mm-hmm. in St. Kitts and Nevis. So, so, so what happened next? Go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, Jamari, what I find actually interesting, and that I know interestingly enough, is that I already see leadership of political parties as organic. But I'm reading within the configuration of whether this, this prenuptial agreement that the, that the team unity had that after a certain time and you mentioned it that the prime minister will sort of relinquish and then somebody else will emerge this really seems like a mechanistic leadership uh, attempted mm-hmm. by unity and that for me is struggling for for evolution of political parties and um, within the region but i understand why because when you have about three or five different fractions into one everybody must have their own levels of power everybody must rise to the top Nobody's going to do the organic work of building a, a unitary political party within the context but of Westminster. I, I want to I throw another spoke in the wheel as well. If you think about the fact of, of the struggles of Pam, don't forget Pam battling Sinkins Nevis Labour Party for years and years. Pam can't get Pam can't get in. Now, finally, the members of Pam now seeing a little light yeah. there where they're in, but they're not quite there. It's like a man say, you can come and sit on in the boat now, but don't paddle too hard. You see me? <laughs> don't rock the boat. <laughs> Coalitions are difficult. <laughs> That's what I would say. Coalitions are difficult yeah. and um, they're like competing philosophies, competing opinions, and then... What's, and, exactly. What, what's the expression you use, Raheem? Strange bedfellows? <laughs> <laughs> 
politics politics makes strange bedfellows you know um and it's really never about it's never about friends but about lasting interest um and therefore as long as the interest lasts between these three they'll be fine um but as i said yesterday very quickly before you go back to the historical synopsis it's really uh, in some respects i see no difference between the 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 former leader because we know what what the 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 constitutional errors dr douglas made during his time and therefore, um, I'm happy, obviously, that new leadership has emerged and a fresher face is speaking about um, better constitutional environments. Um, but but it's interesting now looking on that obviously, but we know how the, that's how the politics works um, of the opposing side speaking so much about the grave errors made by this one and the constitutional infringements, forgetting their own past. Um, but but really, the, the, the disunity that I'm seeing on the marriage of convenience for me um, really doesn't work. Um, but of course, oh, I know oh. we have time to get into why. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to jump down there. Like, let me just go through the, the timeline here. So, okay, things now start to get like a spicy now. Because I'm right. telling the man, they, they give the list of the man. Yes. The man come back and he say, listen, <laughs> all they making no sense. Like, yeah, it was all kind of thing about whose name we're going to take off uh, whose name we need to get take off a police report and who ain't coming take all kind of strange, strange yep. thing. I think it was, what would it say, 18 demands or something like that. That was yeah. an 18-page letter. 18, 18, 18 page letter sent, you, you know, and, and, and PM responded. So Which I read. Yeah. And then, yeah, you, had, you had good time, brother. So how did PM respond? It was spicy, dog. It was spicy. It was spicy, trust me. <laughs> so how did the PM respond quickly? And then how did we get to this motion of no confidence? And how we get to the point where PM come and say, nah, are you fired now? <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we name Z, never get fired. The first time he ever get fired in life. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what Mark Randy said. The first time he ever get yeah, fired in life. First time yeah. first. <laughs> Actually, a few of them came out and said that, but I think Mark Randy was the first assessor. Mm-hmm. But it was, and it, it was funny at that time. So um, so after the, the, the talks break down between uh, Sean Richards and Matt Brantley, as well as PM Harris, they draft a letter and send it to him and say, look, you got till April 20th, 420, <laughs> to respond. <laughs> okay. And he re- he did indeed respond, right? <laughs> With an 18-page letter, as previously mentioned, um, saying that basically that the demands were frivolous. He's not going to um, take away power from the office of the prime minister and the accusations that they were making are leveling against him with respect to a good governance agenda, amongst other things that they were saying that he was using to undermine them, were basically unfounded, right? Um, Then, the six of the nine elected representatives, comprising of the members of PAM and CCM, some of them, not all, because there was one PAM minister who did not... uh, get involved here yeah we'll talk about later we'll talk about Um, about (laughs) right so they submit a letter to the governor general sir tapley seaton stating that the prime minister harris no longer commands the support of the majority and requesting that uh deputy pm or then deputy pm richards be instated as pm as he now commands the majority in other words they wanted harris to be sacked as the prime minister mm-hmm. and can't Sean Richards to minister. be one thing you can do that one man can't get sacked <laughs> you have to sack yourself <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they wrote to the governor general so that saying that that he had the powers to do based on what their interpretation of the constitution was at that point which you know I think was kind of like a stab in the dark but um, that's what happened <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think so. So the Governor General responds and he says he'll seek legal advice a few days later and then responds about 10 days after that saying that <laughs> he had no legal authority to fulfill a request such as that. Um, but before he responds, the members go ahead and file officially a motion of no confidence against Prime Minister Harris and the government um, before receiving the response from the Governor General stating that he had no power to prosecute the letter that they recently submitted or most recently submitted. Um, so that started a clock, you know, because legally in St. Kitts and Nevis, once a motion on no confidence have been submitted, um, there's 21 days uh, that it has to be heard in. And that uh, came out of a lot that was passed in 2018 because of very famous events that occurred in Sakis and Nevis in 2015 yeah. about a, a non-debating of the motion of the confidence. No motion of the confidence. Um, right. Some similar thing happened in St. Vincent as well, but it never, you know, we just talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then Douglas, you know, never actually, uh, let's say it was never tabled. Yeah, and uh, house was dissolved and there was election. And of course, there was a changing of the guard, which, you know, gave team unity the government, which they've held for the past seven years. So, uh, just getting to the end of this now, on May 10th, in a national address, the uh, Prime Minister Timothy Harris fires the, the six ministers uh, live on television. Um, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, none of them even got notices, so they found out just like the rest of the population. Yeah. Uh, so, they say, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And dissolves parliament uh, without indicating an election date. And he did an, another thing where um, he appointed the People's Action Movement uh, Constituency 8 representative Eugene Hamilton as Deputy Prime Minister in place of his party leader, Richards. Right? So now we're at the... Well, well that is real back and I'll leave because, <laughs> hold on, if you use my number two in Pam, so you which you tell me, the man replaced one Pam man. So the, Timothy calculated and the PM calculated and he, he feel like... Well, clearly this man don't jump ship, but we go get, we go reach there. Clearly he don't jump ship from Pam. We just there divide and conquer. We can talk about that, so to speak. Mm. That's what I think. So basically, so basically the the, the house get dissolved, mm -hmm. and the, the motion was not debated. No PM coming as and and to me I think that's a kind of folly too in, in some respects. You know that you know even after a motion is tabled, the prime minister still has this power to come in and say, well, here we go, and me want here and parliament dissolved. Yep. You know what I mean? They'll go to a fresh election. Yeah. That in itself is, is kind of absurd to me. Um, but we're going to talk about that. Um, so basically, like Jabari would have said, we, we are at the point now we've spoken about elections needed to be called in 90 days. So you said the end mark is August 8th. So the election has to be called before August 8th. So we know that coming. By August 8th. Yeah. By August 8th. So they yeah. have to be held by August 8th, not called, but held by August 8th. Correct. And Correct. so we know it coming. We know with Tim was still walking around his back pocket, but we know it coming. Yeah, and <laughs> sometimes so we, we've are mm -hmm. so we've already seen the party starting to push. We've already seen all of that. But before we go into the uh, the actual discussion about the upcoming election, let's unpack the timeline a bit. And Rahim, you spoke about it a little bit just now, but I want to chime in. I want you to chime in a bit on your Barbados to the article which I read. Uh, you know, with great interest. Um, you spoke about, you know, you spoke about team unity as a marriage of convenience and you, you start to highlight the inherent flaws within the Westminster system and how it 
is ill-equipped to deal with our changing political climate and culture. Yeah. So can you elaborate a little bit about that with specific reference to the situation in St. Kitts Yes. Yeah. Alright, so of course, once you have the breaking away of, of a, from a political party as we saw here um, with Harris and the others, or rather firing, etc. Obviously, these, these individuals or politicians obviously want to start anew with a, a set of fresh individuals. And really, what happens is that once you create a coalition, even if it is within the federation, what I argue is that because of how Westminster, at least our modified version of Westminster in the region, requires very strong party loyalty, requires collective responsibility, requires the totally party line, you have three conflicting in some respects or three different ideological strands here attempting to, to, to come together to form a new. And coalition parties work insofar as they work in times of national unity government works when there is some crisis or there is some, some there is some disaster. But I don't know that the ousting of Dr. Dr. Douglas was so much of a, a disaster that warranted the three coming together to be able to create a new. And therefore, because... Boy, the man just couldn't beat the man. Depends on who you ask. It's not about coming together. They couldn't, they couldn't bang him. <laughs> this is what it is. They couldn't bang him. Whether or not it's a disaster depends on who you ask. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But, but really for true, um, because of the strict party loyalty that's needed within our small, very small parliament, the coalition could never work. Of course, in Britain and, and the other um, developed democracies, or at least more developed democracies, you see because of the large number of individuals, you could have the backbenchers who descend. You could not everybody has a ministerial portfolio, so people could, you know, have their own ideological views. As a matter of fact, within America, we see it very clearly. People are going to vote based mm -hmm. on their own ideological and socialization, etc. But not within the region. Everybody had to say yes, PM. Because if you don't say yes, PM, well, I mean, Mark Bradley and yes, no, <laughs> better than we do. <laughs> so that's it so really that is really what i i really posit as the the marriage of convenience colombia necktie <laughs> that, that's what it is and if it is that you don't throw that party line um after you've come up with that arrangement that that happens as a matter of fact i even felt that the arrangement wasn't even as as organic as we as some have seen before and a lot of the things, save and except for obviously the, fin the alleged financial improprieties, etc., the, the things that spoke to democratic underpinnings of, of organic leadership or, or, or the dictatorial tendencies, etc., I, I felt really that, of course, these issues would obviously arise when you have coalitions. Guyana had the perfect example, albeit proportional representation, when you had many people coming mm. together, and really what it does is create the gridlock. So everybody has a different view. Uh, no AFC. Exactly. Everybody, and no, everybody has their own view of development that finds, that cannot find commonplace. And unfortunately, or fortunately, based on what side of defense you're on, there is one man based in the system that has to really quell and decide what happens at the end. And that is the prime minister. And therefore, if you have major contingents, the prime minister, of course, well, you, you know what to do. But that really, for me, is, is how coalitions never work within our modified version of Westminster. Because our modified version requires a very strong party loyalty. As I said, the, the political parties are our blood, our soul, our life. And nothing comes before and after it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I could completely agree with that. Um, in, in terms of 
us being ill-equipped or Westminster being ill-equipped to deal with, with coalition government. In my mind, though, uh, I think St. Kitts Nevis situation is a little bit different because it's not even about ideologies necessarily only. I mean, of course, there's, there's that in the mix. But then you have a party like CCM, for example, whose primary mandate is one country. Or, or not country, um, Nevis. Yeah. Ireland. Right? One part of the country. That, yeah, one island. Yeah. That's their primary mandate. So they're not even concerned uh, in terms of their mandate they're, they're, they're not concerned necessarily uh, 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 at the core about the development of St. Kitts. They came, you know, they exactly. came into being as a way to advance exactly. Nevis. So that becomes problematic in and of itself because them fellas, you know, having spent some... I used to live in St. Kitts, as Javaria, you know. I used to live I lived in St. Kitts, so when I, when I was there, you could see that that, that the, the sort of the rift between seeing um, conditions and division when it comes to certain things, which I couldn't understand. Yeah. It's sometimes like a Trinidad and Tobago type set, type setup, which, you know what I mean? I, I well, what I would say is that... that some, I would say that some of the rifts, I think, are based on historical political events. Um, they're mm-hmm. dating back to the 1960s. There have been allegations made, particularly, uh, I should say, I give an example. So there, there's uh, the first uh, national hero, Robert Bratcher. It was alleged that he said something about um, giving the visions uh, pepper in the soup or bones in the rice. That's something that's 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 something that's alleged. It's, it's never been founded or actually. We, we don't actually know whether or not it's true. Let's put it that way. I know. I know. Sixty years later, we're still talking about it, and people still griping. I, I brought it up because Matt Brantley on this program that he has on Wednesdays, um, he 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 said that same thing. Right, last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> a sixty-year-old mm-hmm. quote. So, so it's still, lady. it's still, lady. it's yeah. still, lady. yeah. So it's, it's still yeah. very much a part. It's still very much a part of the the mantra, I would say, the, the yeah, ethos, yeah, so the yeah. discussion, and the Nevis yeah. first, the Nevis first, uh, I would say, slant to um, mm-hmm. the CCM uh, part of the unity agenda is very mm-hmm. much, as I think um, Raheem would say, not really fit for what a coalition should be mm. to last a, a long time right so mm. uh harris it was alleged that harris said in one of the things that i think you were alluding to earlier delano where he was saying that every dollar that comes out of the treasury um and goes to nevis is less <laughs> for saying <laughs> it you know it's alleged that he said that in a public setting correct mm. so that no, that, that that's a very um divisive line that that mm. both sort of members have and it's very obvious what the agenda on mm-hmm. both exactly. sides are exactly but t- to be honest i i was encouraged by by i think it's nevis in terms of the formulation of the team unity movement because i think uh, in my mind i was sort of telling myself well look other caribbean political parties for example in st vincent the Grenadines, in dominica where we have parties that are so entrenched that you get the labor party in dominica and, and st vincent so entrenched you don't know how to get them out so i was telling myself perhaps a coalition might be something that might be needed you know um you know that's that's just so I, when I, I was encouraged to see because it, it felt new you know it felt like something that you know that we were moving that we were we you know we were sort of growing as a region politically and, and the democracies were advancing a bit. Milano, you, but, had, you had a new system with old people so really <laughs> really looking at you looking at the same attempt at a formula I, I would agree with that too yeah that's true but i want to pivot back a little bit because this is something that's been in the media uh Raheem and, 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 and jabari what are your views 
uh, on the response of the GG to the letter received from the six members. I think we were in a panel discussion yesterday, yeah. Raheem, and I think somebody from Zinkit said, listen, the, the GG got a letter from six men, uh, six men and women, I'm not sure of the composition. Yeah. Let me be careful. It was, it was Correct. He got a letter from six men, is it me? And he, he couldn't act. He, he said he couldn't act. But then he got a letter from one man in the person of the prime minister yeah. and he and he was compelled to act mm-hmm. and so i wanted to ask you know mm-hmm. some have been saying that the, that the gg failed to mm-hmm. act uh but the general consensus seems to be that he did not have the authority to do so based on the constitution yeah. what are your my, views my view is simple um upon reviewing the constitution because really uh, that's really what we have to do at the first instance um even prior i i thought probably like some people there say listen but you have the convention here that says that when somebody does not command the majority of the members of the parliament that they know they cease to be the prime minister that's really the convention of westminster and the principle here is simple insofar as when the convention must yield to the constitutional provision and in the st kitts constitution it does not say it doesn't explicitly speak about that instead but rather what it says is that a vacancy um exists in the office of prime minister when a motion of no confidence is passed now there was no motion of no confidence tabled or passed at that time when the letter was sent so therefore the governor general could not have acted at least as what the constitution was saying because there was no or, or rather there was no vacancy that was created to be able to ensure that the um that deputy prime minister sean richards um would ascend to the position of of prime minister but i think the the the, the um team unity or at least what is left of it um, really knew in a very real way that the governor general was not going to was not going to heed the request. As a matter of fact, I think that is why they knew very in short order that they had to table that motion of no confidence um, to be able to ins- to see how best they could um, possibly remove um, Prime Minister Harris from the post, knowing full well that that motion would not see the light of day. Because if anything has to do, it, it has the, the history has to remind them about motions of no confidence against against prime ministers. But what I want to ask though, in my mind, and, and you know, as a man, as thing, I was thinking, I said, hold on, and I was like, like Jabari said, I'm going to try a thing. Yeah. yeah. Because they like they wanted to avoid the whole election, um, no confidence, and, and an election. <laughs> they are afraid. It seems to me that they were hesitant to go to the polls. So they said, let me try something. Try Let's... to avoid an election. Because them fellas basically yeah. say, well, go, GG, we want to move, we move Harris and we want to put in Richards. And we don't want to go to mm-hmm, the election. Definitely. I don't see how that could work because yes. you, if, if, yeah. mm, your, your coalition government, uh, I'm not sure without PLP, how many seats do they have, Jabari? Uh, six. Six. Oh, so they seven. have, they have seven, seven. Seven, actually. Seven. So seven. they would still have the majority. Seven. They would still have. So even when, even if PLP were to withdraw from the from the um the, the coalition, they would still, you yeah. know, by rights have to have the majority there. But it's it's a difficult situation to manage. So when what what was the plan then to relegate um the PLP to opposition? So you have two opposition parties. <laughs> you you get me. So well, <laughs> exactly. But speaking of two opposition parties, that happens a lot actually. Because remember, there's, you know, there's CCM, there's the NIP in Nevis. There's yeah. been several times throughout the history, and both of them are in opposition together, even though they're you know yeah. opponents underground in Nevis. So that's like a particular um, quirk of the, <laughs> the Federation of saying it's a Nevis. But uh, what I would say is that if you listen to the talk on the ground of major people that uh, within the you know the unity construct especially the people's action movement what they intimated was that uh based on our constitution it doesn't explicitly say uh by which levers particularly the governor general can disappoint 
uh, 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 strike down the prime minister like it's not explicitly said. So they said that there was some room for interpretation based on some legal advice that they reportedly got from a QC from the UK, as well as seeking counsel of uh, various lawyers regionally. So they anticipated that there was some, you know, wiggle room within the constitution to try a thing. Um, but uh, like Raheem said, I think they knew that it wasn't gonna, it wasn't yeah, gonna yeah, fly. Exactly. You know? the, wiggle room, the wiggle room is not to be determined by them, and that's another interesting thing about the prerogative powers. Yeah, the decisions of the governor general already are not reviewable, at least within that prerogative power. So whether it is that the governor general decided to disappoint him or appoint him or appoint whatever, whatever, whoever you want to at whatever time. The law has been very clear in relation to some of the prerogative powers, um, unless it is that these prerogative powers offend the constitution. But I think also that they knew as well, and also that's that's why I said ready for now. It's whether the political party that wins determines that they're not going to have political expediency and they're going to engage in deep constitutional reform, because they knew that the prerogative power to call the election was always there, mm-hmm. and that at any point in time he need not inform anybody other than Governor General that that's it. I'm calling it right now because I know for sure that I'm in a I'm in a losing position within my own government. Right. Um, and I don't command the support, but therefore I'm still going to call it. And that is a power that needs to be strict um, taken away, especially in the context of if a motion of no confidence is tabled. Mm. I think if a motion of no confidence is tabled, you face the motion of no confidence. Yeah, yeah. You face it, you face it with the parliament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Fight stand up and fight it. <laughs> and then even um, for example. Honorable Jonah Powell, who is a member of the People's Action Movement, in an interview later said that the the fact that um, the Governor General uh, could appoint a Prime Minister, but he basically can't be disappointed <laughs> by any obvious measure other than emotional confidence in which uh, Ray Mew so uh, correctly said that he still has all the cards in his hand, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like <laughs> you're kicking against the pricks to use a, a <laughs> biblical term. That's a biblical phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, man, <again> biblical. <laughs> well, I mean, I want I want to move from that because we've spoken about it. We've we've talked about um the GG, we've talked about we've talked about the, the power of the prime minister and what needs to happen there. That's a, that could go into a whole other discussion. What I want to switch now to is uh the, the upcoming election, the snap election, that, that only one mm. man know the date so far. What he soon tell me. Mm. Yeah. So Jabari, in your commentary, and I really enjoyed reading um, um, your commentary there and, and, and the, the history and the, the analytics behind the election, uh, you said that the 2022 SKN elections would be one of many firsts. Can you briefly, can run out of time, bro, can you briefly just highlight, uh, you know, the, the first for this election that, that you mentioned in your paper? For the listeners well, the uh, there was a few firsts. There would be uh, the first time... Um, a party leader would re- resign or give up his leadership in the name of Denzel Douglas and then contest an election, you know, in, in, in a fight in a, a, a general back. election. They just call like exactly, people. right? And then they resign altogether. But um, mm-hmm. Doc Douglas is contesting his seat in St. Christopher 6 in this upcoming uh, election by all reports. So that's going to be interesting as well. Um, in St. Christopher 3, uh, Conris Maynard, who was elected in 2015, uh, lost his seat to the Honorable Akila Byron Nisbet in 2020 in a historic showing. That was the first time that that seat has actually voted against the Sinkis Nevis Labour Party in history ever. That's the first time that happened. So um, it's, it will be the first time that somebody will be seeking re-election after winning and then losing. 
right? So typically what would happen is that the person just said, uh, the mandate has shifted, the people ain't feeling me no more, bro. <laughs> That's it, right? So there's a, there's some force. And then this is also the second shortest time um, in St. Navy's history in terms of space between two general elections. The shortest of, of, of in unrecorded history is um, 1993 to 1995, which was about 16 months yeah. between one another. This, is a, this would be about, you know, two years plus. Um, so... Um, and then the 1995 elections were very contentious. There was like, uh, in St. Kitts Nevis, there was like, um, well, national like emergency and a lot of attention. You don't like them turning you voting and the dung in the politics, now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Listen, if you talk about 1993, 1995 in St. Kitts, everybody said the same thing. Whole head, <laughs> pure back and now. They were like revolts, bottle and stone on Church Street. And it was, you know, oh. yeah, all type of all type of story. The country was in um, national emergency, on a state of emergency rather. We didn't have any carnival. It was a lot of crazy things happening. Not carna- no carnival. I'm telling you, that's how serious it was. That's what I told you about. That's it. That's how you know things bad. So this is going to be um, a, a interesting election because of all the firsts that are mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, uh, up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, moving quickly because we're trying to cover everything in the little time we have. Um, what are some of the major questions or issues that are going to affect this election cycle? You had a lot listed, but pick out maybe. Let me see. Pick out the top three or four um, that we can just talk about briefly here as we jump forward. I could get a top three easily. The first one, in my mm. mind, is that the role of the overseas voter in mm. St. Kitts and Nevis. So, yeah. um, in 2020 election, it's been well covered and discussed that it was held under, you know, the COVID-19 mm. and under a state of emergency, no flights. In St. Kitts and Nevis, I think Peter Wickham said that there were 12,000 um, overseas yeah. voters and a lot of the constituencies are decided on under 100 votes mm-hmm. a lot of them yeah. so suffice it to say that 12,000 or even half or even 1,000 could swear entire election okay that's a huge theme and we don't necessarily know how that would pan out it's only left to be seen um another another um i would say major theme is the concept of unity itself so um, although I think this episode is titled Disunity, it's very interesting to note that the Pam CCM Coalition eh, are now calling themselves Real Unity, right? Real Unity? <laughs> Real Unity. This is something that so, they say. It's pushed, so, it's marketed, it's so, out so there. Well, they say it at their platforms. So is it that they, well, we know the CCM can't form government by itself because historically they only no. counted three seats. So we know that they can't, Correct. in terms of the overall federal government, they can't. So they always need right. somebody. So I wonder if there's another yeah. strange bedfellow situation, marriage or convenience again here, right? Because if you talk, if you're telling me the CCM can't, <laughs> you can't tell me numerically they can't form government because they only contest uh, Nevis, you know. And then Pam now historically they realize, boy, and I think even in all of this discussion, we're yeah. not even factoring. Um, and I think it's kind of a disservice to him too, the new leader of the same case, Nevis Labour Party, uh, Dr. Yeah. Drew. Because I mean, yeah. in his mind, I'm sure he telling himself, with all of this this unity, we have a chance. And I and I know Doug, he probably <laughs> exactly. chopping at the window. Say, well, boy, <laughs> we have a chance. 
smell blood exactly what's interesting though is that this will determine a lot about his own political future mm-hmm. because if it is that you can't make your inroads in that disunity period um something your, your political future of course has to has to be questioned especially after one year but at the same time i don't know that dr drew has had much time um within the one year to reshape and reorient the Kitts and Davis labor party in the way that he wants especially in the within the context that dr douglas is still there i mean of course mm. people may argue that dr douglas is not as actively involved but just the presence of somebody who has been there for 30 something years is something to be factored into um yeah massive shadow so to speak <laughs> massive shadow so, so that's your first so that's... Jabari. second so yeah the, uh no the first was the voters the second was whether or not uh the people of saint kitts and nevis are gonna buy the quote-unquote real unity, unity. Mm-hmm. yeah that that's an outstanding question because we have a situation that you know the the members of the pam ccm coalition or the new pam ccm coalition are saying that you know there were some successes and there were some failures and the failures were due to Prime Minister Harris. But that was the same. And, you, you know, with that Catherine politics, these are the same fellas who sit down in Parliament, stand up in Parliament during the recent budget presentation and praise PM Harris <laughs> and the budget uh, and the way forward, everything that, everything, everything nice. We're happy in the steam unit. They yeah, say it was a marriage. That's what they say, right? That's the thing. It was a marriage and then you don't brandish your dirty uh, laundry. You know, they outside, collective yeah, responsibility that, and all of that. <laughs> yeah. So they say it was a marriage. So that that's what what's been put forward. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Um, a, another major theme I would say is the the whole aspect of the fair share, right? And what do politicians think about that? We all know when the visions think about it, they feel like they've been deprived for years. But what's the population of in this? Remind remind our audience. What's about about ten thousand people. About ten thousand mm. people, so they make up okay, ten of the you yeah, know yeah, fifty thousand yeah, well, uh, figure. Mm. Yeah, one fifth of the population. And all right, another major theme is the whole aspect about the fair share for Nevis. So remember, in twenty fifteen in Saint Kitts and Nevis, one of the major themes I would say rallying cry. I think it was the actual official slogan of Team Unity was fair share for all. Okay, and the population of Nevis we discussed is about one fifth. Of you know, Saint Nevis about one fifth, about 10,000, 10, 12,000 people, and they said that I want about twenty-five or so percent of the proceeds of the CBI inflows, which are based on a pro-rata arrangement, which is a population basis. So I guess it is twenty-five percent based on the last census, official census of twenty ten. Anyways, they need more money, or they're looking for more money. Yeah, Nevis is, and the whole aspect. With respect to the CCM is going to be if they're going to convince the people of Nevis that they are the best uh, party suitable to go to Church Street and demand more for Nevis and for the NRP now it's going to be like these guys haven't been coming up with what they said they would come up with they haven't been coming up with the goods and whether or not they'll be able to you know really uh, make a dent in convincing the people of Nevis to um, give them a chance to do so so that's another major theme, I, I, I would think. Yeah, um, I mean, right. Right. You, you've identified what the top three teams. Um, we haven't heard much about the economy and so I get the impression people really care about that right now. People care about eruption because we didn't talk about the policies, which a lot of them haven't dropped yet. But even from looking at what's being put out now by, by the CCM and, and by the PLP and so on, 
you know, it seems like if them fellas just making promises there to try to, it, to me, it's pie in the sky thing, some of them. And, and I question, you know, the, 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 the fiscal responsibility of some of these plans that I've seen floating around. Now, it hasn't come out officially in manifestos and so on yet, so we wait for that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting period with respect to the manifestos because it seems yeah. like now who could sell the best? Yeah, right, right, right now is a salesman, is a salesman election. Who could sell the best and who could think the more? Because no, you, 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 you get me. And and this is against the backdrop of of um, citizenship by investment yeah. globally under threat. We all yes. know about the, the recent um, you know directives of the EU and so on with respect to you know moving yeah. to end or force smaller nations and bigger nations as yeah. well to end citizenship by investment schemes and so. So they they plan yeah. to spend money that they don't even know if they can be there. That's another piece of thing, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so, so mm-hmm. it's a very uncertain time. But it, right now, it seems like who's the best salesman? Um, you, you get me. I would agree with that, and I would say that 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 whole thing about the EU you know, moving to shut down the CBI programs in these the small nations. I don't think, based on what I can tell, that that news has been discussed at large on the ground in Saint Kitts and Nevis at all at this particular point. So I feel like we're just kind of pretending that the imminent danger, imminent threat of the CBI programs coming to an end just isn't there. That's my view on it, so to speak, mm-hmm. so far. So I think that's a, a that's a theme. But right now, the major things surround the, um, the fracturing of the unity construct and all the different issues that come with Yes, and I guess it's always sure that they're the most unified. Um, and then people are obviously going to buy into who they believe are the most unified to be able to win the election. Um, and I just hope that we're not in a situation where we, where we're back here one more year analyzing another 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 end of a prenuptial agreement. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> this unity. By the way, Nevis elections are due um, within a few months as well. I think they have to be called. Yeah, I think they have to be called by. Um, sometime in early 2023 if i'm not mistaken so they are facing the plight of having a general election and a local nia elections within the same year mm-hmm. right which is another you know thing to uh note yeah so jabari as you see it what, what are some of the the key constituencies now that you think um you know if you could walk us through that a bit the the key constituencies the the candidates um, you know, where you feel the battle will be won or lost, essentially. All right, so in, in St. Kitts and Nevis, we recently um, mentioned that there are 11 constituencies. Um, so one needs six to be able to command the, the majority. Um, but, you know, minority governments do exist. <laughs> but I don't mm. think, and there was one, again, in 1993 in St. Kitts and Nevis, and that led to a lot of this distress, a lot of discord, a lot of back and out, right? And right. It, it didn't end pretty, right? So we don't want to go back to that days of 1993. We want a good, nice majority government. There are six seats. Based on my analysis, I would say that not many of the, uh, there are not that many that are actually up for grabs. So I would say that St. Christopher Six in St. Kitts has always voted for the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party. Um, I think that it will continue to do so, especially that Douglas is still running there. I don't think that 
that's gonna go um to anybody else anytime soon. nobody can beat doggy boy St. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher like Five. Beat, um, Kenny in, in, in St. Lucia right just like how they can't beat Kenny how <laughs> uh, they can't beat Mitchell in, in Grenada <laughs> that's another example oh, oh, right? oh, comrade yeah listen comrade right St. Christopher Five. Oh, comrade. No, <laughs> no but, but comrade different <laughs> because comrade's the leading. Yeah. Kenny different yeah. because Kenny leave and he's still running and, and they let him go. He right. says right. a different scenario. So yeah. Kenny more comparable to, to, to um, Doggy. Yeah. Kenny leave and he's still running the show in terms of time. his constituency. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, that, I think I've heard that uh, before. I think I've heard that all over the region before. All over the region. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, St. Christopher 6, I think, we're clearly got to think it's never slay with Paddy. St. Christopher 5, in its history, has only gone outside of the People Action Movement one time, um, which is 2000, which is a landmark. All 8, uh, the famous All 8 government of, you know, Dr. Denzel Douglas. So, that is not up for grabs. Um, I would say that Nevis 9 and Nevis 10 uh, have been dominated by the CCM for well over 20 years now and I see I don't see that changing especially because you know Matt Brantley occupies um one constituency and then Eric Evelyn is just running after the last premier who's of who's Vance Amory of you know blessed memory who just recently passed away this year um so I don't see that going any other way um these and then of course Dr. Harris's constituency St. Christopher 7 um he's been winning that uh since 1993 and I see no reason that he will relinquish that anytime soon, right? I mean, um, and, and based on how the thing does go, we know and we, we know about the patronage that, that surrounds the, the constituency of the Prime Minister. And correct. I mean, that, that's something that we're very familiar with. When you go, they check him and he say, oh boy, I got, you know, I don't want to go into that because I don't want to cast any aspersions either. But we know <laughs> speak colloquially about yeah. the, you know the sort of the level of patronage that exists within the constituency of the prime minister and it, we, we see it all around yeah. that, that's why when a prime minister when a sitting or incumbent prime minister as we've seen in the bahamas and so on recently when an incumbent prime minister loses his seat you know something wrong there because they tell me you know people are saying that's 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 a that's a big turn because we right. know the power that that that, that the prime minister um, wields and we know what, what can happen there so it's a, it would be surprising to me if, if given all the accusations and so on, all the money that's been thrown around and so on, allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> of course, yeah, allegedly, that, everything that, we that, say um, is allegedly mm, that, that <laughs> the prime minister will lose his seat. Correct. Mm. And speaking of uh, prime minister losing seat or uh, gaining seats or that type of thing, um, that, I just named five constituencies, so I think those will be are not up for debate. So that leaves six, right? That I mm. think they are genuine races. One, the one such I would like to discuss first is um, someone who's seeking to be prime minister and saying it's a neighbor stuck with Terence Drew. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting to note that throughout the Labour Party's nine, saying it's neighbor's Labour Party's 90 year history, that the leader of the Labour Party has never lost their seat in a contested election, say for one time, right? 90 years almost never happens right. so that's a that's that's something that dr drew would uh know is he sitting mp now this would be his third time that. running 
This would be his third time on. Oh, that's not like a fall or so, boy. Hey. <laughs> that's not like a fall. Well, he's from Barbie. That's well, anyway. And then, and I think Raheem uh, said that really and truly his political career is at stake here. Mm-hmm. So it's not yeah, so much, not, yeah. not only the, um, the, the future of the country, so to speak, if he was able to, you know, win the majority um, in terms of the mandate with the Labour Party contesting various seats and, of course, become Prime Minister, but his own individual career yeah. is very much at stake here. Um, so that would be an interesting rate. He's running against uh, a Chesley Hamilton, who is a, a popular person in his constituency and in the island at large, who also ran twice on a, on a People's Action Movement ticket against dr harris um of our people um twice before and we, we know how that went like <laughs> but it's interesting so this would be the third time around for both um drew and hamilton so uh and it would be a key constituency i think another constituency what about lindsay what about lindsay i was just about to, i was just about to get to that <laughs> so <laughs> i just about to get to that so Honorable uh, Lindsey Grant in St. Christopher 4 um, is another key constituency, especially because of how close uh, that constituency tends to be. So, three out, of, three out of the last four times that constituency has been decided by under 75 votes, right? Um, I think when Grant won it his first time, he won by 30-something votes, and the time he lost before that, which was the 2010 elections, he lost by 30-something votes, so less than 50 right he's he broke a lot of records in that constituency the last time around in 2020 by smashing the vote share the percentage the rock the raw totals a lot of things that he was successful in the polls at however it's interesting to note that his opponents were i would say uh not up to scratch based on what the people on the ground thought and it was uh very much seen in the results right so now he has a, a successor in Samuel Duggins of the St. Nevis Labour Party and perhaps there's a PLP um, operative or I would say a PLP uh, candidate. <laughs> James Bond? I've got to call it. <laughs> I say operative because what, an interesting feature of the St. Nevis election is that there's been no named candidates for the People's mm-hmm. Labour Party up to this point. And so I was we see people can because, because I, I was I, I know that I, that was one of the accusations made by Richards and and Brantley is that sure. the PLP um, Harris was positioning the PLP to contest in the future um, more seats than they had historically done, uh, and so given all of that, I mean, yeah, man, from the shadows they were holding. You know, those are the accusations allegedly. You know yeah. what I mean? So we want to know who these operatives are and, and whether or not they're 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 executed. <laughs> they have a license to kill. Because fellas on the next one like James Bond, boy. Well, what I would say. Yeah, yeah. What I would say is that a lot of constituencies uh, remain unclear as to who will represent the People's Labour Party at this time. It seems that uh, there's an individual by the name of Kendall Leibard in constituency number four. He seems to be the person who the PLP will launch as he's been canvassing for quite a while now in, in number four. And I recently saw some pictures that were on the internet of, you know, um, 
some trying something new in number four or something like that. I don't remember the exact slogan that was written on the shirt. So although he's not officially named, he seemed to be the person. So the PLP, as far as I can see in that constituency, the best thing they could do from what I can see is pay the um, uh, position of uh, play the part of spoiler, right? So perhaps they'll be able to gather some of the vote share from the PAM base, from the Labour Party base, and cause maybe the Labour Party to win or the, it to be a little bit closer than it would um, normally be. Maybe it would be a narrow win by Grant. So it's, 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 it's interesting to see what happened. This is the first time that I would say, generally speaking, that there would be three, so to speak, major parties contesting in what I think would be all eight constituencies. And that could have a lot of knock-on effects in key constituencies that tend to be rather close. Another one of those is St. Christopher II, which was won by Honorable Jonah Powell by a couple hundred votes um, in mm-hmm. 2020. But there's, speaking of the shadows that, <laughs> that was mentioned earlier, one of the major um, reasons for fallout for this whole team unity arrangement was that in that particular constituency, there were individuals that were canvassing and, and trying to go out their base, allegedly, since about 2018. So even prior to right. uh, Rebel Jonah Power being elected, there were um, accusations made about um, people running shadow candidates, etc., etc., and these type of accusations. So if um, uh, the individuals uh, were to actually contest these elections, perhaps they would make significant headway and that could really damage um, uh, the PAM's chance of retaining the seat in the upcoming elections. So I think that we're sensing a theme here that I don't believe that PLP could potentially win a bunch of seats mm-hmm. based on the numbers that they have, but they could play the part of spoiler. And in a, a coalition government... Give it the now. Give it the run in tally as you have it now. Call, call, it, call it parties and let it go. Boy, that thing well, they're rough enough. Let me start with, SK, <laughs> let, let me start with you think is Labour Party. Why don't we just see them again based on where things stand now? I'm not putting you on this spot. We're putting you on this spot. Yeah, we're going to be inboxing me after this go live, bro. Yeah, so I think they will win. St. Neves Labour Party have a good chance of winning four seats. I think the most they could win is six, right? Mm. And and I know that, that, that seems like a short, um, a, a short range. But remember, but that's a bit tough. I mean, how much they? I mean, two. how much they have now? How much? How much? Is, think is about the know what two, two. Yeah. So they, okay, you you predict them to increase um, from yeah. two to four. Okay. Yeah, at least um, double. At least at double. least double. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pam, okay. tell me about Pam. So, I think they have a good chance of winning between three and four seats, based on so what I can tell enough. right so now. Not enough a majority. So they need a, they need a coalition. Pam. Correct. If which is what they're going the Which is what they're going on. In fact, it's even in their. Right, and even in their uh, public meetings, they're saying that they have the shortest path to Church Street, which is where you know right. the government headquarters yeah, is. Yeah. Because yeah. within Pam, they only have to win three or eight seats because they're counting mm-hmm. on the CCM and to CCM retain CCM their to three win. seats in the in Nevis. So it's, okay, so it's CCM. interesting. Yeah. So CCM think they win another three. That's the hardest part of my entire analysis, brother. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. <laughs> so. <laughs> This um, St. Uh, Nevis 11, right, 
in its in 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 for about 60 years has gone exclusively to the Nevis Reformation Party, the NRP. In this last election in 2020 was the first time that it's ever gone to CCM, and it was uh, it was it was a shellacking at the polls. They won by over 200 votes. Okay, not so shellacking. <laughs> that's what was. <laughs> It, that, that's a huge turnaround because that, that's what that's the evidence of what a safe seat is and it's gone the other way now the NRP which is another piece um, that that was part of my analysis is basically in my estimation on the verge of political extension or irrelevancy because they currently hold no seats in the federal parliament they currently hold one seat in the local NIA uh, arrangement mm-hmm. and based on the numbers that have been going on since about the 1990s where CCM has been growing stronger and stronger they've been decreasing their vote share raw votes participation for several years now they've uh, they've um changed leadership a number of times from parry i think mm. uh, joseph so, parry but nobody in click in no there was roberto hector for a time mm. uh kelvin daly was the leader for a, a little bit of time I know it's um, the daughter of the only national hero from Nevis, Simeon Daniel, in the person of Janice Daniel Hodge. She's now the leader of the NRP. So they've changed mm. leaders a bunch of times and nothing has nothing stuck yet. Mm. So their, their political future, in my estimation, is very much at stake here by retaining... They, they have to retain so. um, their seat because then they'll be able to have a seat at the table to negotiate table some type of coalition agreement right. which they could use in my view as a springboard to really try to um yeah, propel on to re- yeah. get relevancy within nevis right mm-hmm. so to so use a federal springboard mm. so finally plp <laughs> i mean based on how you don't divide things so far i see like you only have one seat there for plp you know yeah. and it's someone like only pm harris <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Based on yeah. based on how things looking, it's so right man telling me only one seat for them. The Speak, bro. Some real big boys there with the ready bell. Unless the operatives come out to work. <laughs> the future, I think, the future is bleak right. <laughs> for PLP. Generally speaking, the future is bleak. Now, I, I don't know what's what's what will happen to them. Um, only time will tell. But in my estimation, they they'll be probably um relegated Belgians to, of history i would say a, a passenger a passenger position mm-hmm. at the very best when it comes to yeah, saying it's a nevis election going forward per- i think they're gonna be on the periphery and i, I mean mm-hmm. i think like we said harris has been there for some time and i mean i think by now he's he's earned his stripes in terms of things these these fellas need to know if a lego this thing now because in my mind if harris isn't is, you know, that's 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 my thing i need to know if a lego this thing and and i mean if you've been there since 1993 brother you had two terms as prime minister albeit <laughs> one one very short <laughs> you, you get me you, you had two terms you're very pensioner one all of these things you get me so you can you can bow out you can bow out and, 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 and leave them things alone. But you know, that's the problem that we have in the region, yeah. right? Y'all know we out of time, you know? Yeah. Y'all know we out of time. I ain't got to tell you. I, I know we ain't got to tell you we out of time. So the, discussion, the discussion has been, I, I really enjoyed it. I miss podcasting. It's good to be back. Um, you know, Jarek, final thoughts uh, before, we, before we wrap up. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I missed, I missed a lot of it, but I mean, 
<laughs> the the the, um, the discussion I mean is good. I'm I'm glad to hear uh, Jabari's views and, and Rahim um, from what I was able to, to to capture from what they said. And I think it's uh, a discussion and some discourse that's needed around this time. A lot of persons don't even know what's going on in the region politically and in terms of the elections that are happening. Um, I myself have been behind, been behind on these um, these topics and so. So um, I am grateful for Jamari's quick analysis there, especially at the end about where you see where you see these um, these parties lining up and where things are going to fall on election day. We'll see what happens on, on that fateful day and um you know what goes on with uh with harrison's laughter as well but but yeah no i mean it was a, a good a learning um discussion for me an experience for me to, to to have this today and i'm glad that we had these two guests as well to just uh, give us some insight on what's going on yeah so fellas let me raise my glass quickly and wrap up you know the thing go. I, i've been sipping on the thing my thing almost done let me finish so jabari we're raising your glass too Okay, one thing, uh, raise my glass. I got a little sorry in this, you know, it's a little spicy, you know, but um, I want to raise my glass to uh, um, Prime Minister Mia Motley of Barbados, you know, ah. making the times. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a huge achievement. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I'm a big you know, supporter of regional integration. I like to see people within the region do well, as I believe that the only thing separating us was a stop on a boat, right? Yeah, yeah. A long, yeah. long yeah. time ago. So. Yeah, sure. Big up to PM Motley. Respect. Yeah, you could definitely raise our glass. Could raise our glass. Raheem. Yeah, no glass to the bar, but we're raising your glass. But I just want to raise a toast, at least personally, to the end of my semester, second year semester. I'm just waiting for Delano to mark my papers. <laughs> in a time, in a time, in a time. Already, it's second year, and uh, we keep a canvas, raising a glass to that and until the exam results come, and I'll have the real drink then. Respect. Uh, definitely, yeah. we can raise a glass and much success. Yeah, yeah, you've been a shining light and one of our best students. Uh, we are always highly spoken about in the faculty. And uh, we continue to expect great things from you. Uh, Jarek, we're raising your glass too. And our, you know, our highest, one of our highest ranked podcast guests. So, I mean, you know, big up for that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great achievement. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for me, I, I think I'm always coming back to this. I'm always coming back to this topic. And I'm, I think I've raised my glass to this probably like three or four times um through different iterations and different developments that have happened over the past two years since covid but i want to raise my glass to travel opening back up because yes i got no through <laughs> but um yes, yeah buddy. i mean a lot of a lot more countries aren't requiring all these testing you know opening back up the economy opening back up travel tourists are flooding back in and it's good to see so i'm i'm raising my glass to that happy to see it hope the entire region adopts some protocols that would um really allow for tourism to start back and you know get back to its booming nature yeah could raise our glasses to that yeah. yeah for me guys i want to raise my glass to season six of the podcast i, I am grateful that yep, you're yep, yep. here sharing the first episode that we are actually recording with, with video uh it's been requested for quite some time our audience have been saying oh do i like a youtube thing do anything yeah. let's get some visuals and we're trying um for this season I want to thank you guys for being here and I just want more success for the podcast, Jadik, as we continue to work and to bring these discussions to the fore. So I just want to raise my glass to the into the bar. A, a lawyer and a policyist walk into a bar the podcast. Yeah, definitely. You could definitely raise our glass to that. So again, we want to thank you guys. Um, you've been great guests. 
Um, we're grateful for your insight again, again, like I mentioned. Um, you've been our first guest, like Dylan said, trying out this new uh, platform enhanced, you know, with visuals and everything. And um, we hope that we can continue the podcast in this light and everything goes smoothly. Had some hiccups today, but uh, hopefully from now on, you know, those kinks could be worked out. Um, again, subscribe, like on our YouTube. We will post a link below so you can see in the, in the notes of the podcast. And um, yeah, subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Um, it's been great having you, uh, all everyone listening. And our guest, as always, I'm the lawyer, Jared Cummings. And I'm Delano D'Souza, the policy analyst. Catch you next time.